This is a bonus episode of Decoding Fox News, and I'm your host, Juliet Jeske. Each week, I watch and analyze a whole heck of a lot of Fox News and then break it down. This past week, though, I haven't been because it's Christmas, and Fox gets even dumber during Christmas. So today, I've got a treat for you. This is going to be an author's interview about a book that I think you will really enjoy. So today we are going to be talking to, I'm very excited, John Petricelli and his book, The Life-Changing Science of Detecting Bullshit. And I'll tell my listeners how I found you. It's totally random. And my cat's attacking me. Hey, Thor. Thor's kind of a character in my podcast. He's behind the computer right now, behind my screen. So um, he just grabbed the book. Um, you had posted something, I don't remember the context, I don't remember the comment, on Twitter, and I thought, well, that's really insightful, <laughs> and I checked your bio, and I was like, what? That's his book? I have to get that book, because <laughs> this is my life with Fox News of constantly detecting bullshit, and it, another little funny caveat is I never curse on my podcast um, just because I live in New York, and if I allowed myself to curse, it would be every other word. So um, it's going to be funny that I'm going to be saying bullshit a lot on this uh, episode. So why, and I, I'll i just let you talk, um, like what drew you to this type of work? Because you have, I'll read this to, you have experimental social psychologists, which already that's a fascinating thing. So what decide, like what drew you to this type of work? So yeah, I'm I'm an ex experimental social psychologist, um, and for a long time, I in my work, my research, I had focused primarily on persuasion um, and attitude change, uh, antecedents of uh, attitude formation and change, um, consequences of strong attitudes, and that was a pretty typical experimental social psychological topic, um, but doesn't get the attention it deserves <laughs> it gets a lot of attention i think in in marketing um and in business but but outside of that that domain uh maybe also in in law uh but outside those applications um there's only about maybe maybe five to ten thousand people that would ever uh come across my work uh, so to oh, be wow. quite honest I, I i would i was looking for something that might make a bigger impact um uh, I also did a lot of work in counterfactual thinking. So would have, could have, should have, if only thoughts that people oh, yeah, yeah. You know, mentally simulate through their minds and kind of play out. And what I was finding in the qualitative data is uh, pretty elaborate stories of these would have, could have, should have beens, if onlys. And people almost appeared to be uh, sort of believing that they were entitled to a desirable outcome, you know, oh. that, that, that if only they had thought more about the situation beforehand, or if only I had worn my red sweater, I would have gotten her number, you know, <laughs> or, or, or if only my friend had shown up to the party first and mentioned Rachmaninoff, I'm the one who likes Rachmaninoff music. It's not him. And I would, you know, so I mean, they go wow. on, and on about this, all of this, uh, pretty elaborate things and, and it never seemed to occur to the authors in my experiments that perhaps things just weren't in the cards for you, <laughs> you know, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. That may, maybe even if you had worn your red sweater you still wouldn't have gotten the number <laughs> well it's it's you know, funny it's, it doesn't it's yeah. funny too because you call this is what from your book the bullshit studies lab and that's in yes. your and you're a you're a professor at uh, a university and in North yes. Carolina, which is yeah, Wake, Wake Forest University. Wake Forest, that's yeah. correct. Mm -hmm. And so your students, when they sign up for this, they're signing up for the bullshit studies lab. I just think that's hilarious. Yeah, well, we, we take it we take it very seriously. It's um, I don't think there's a better word for these the social substance of which we we study. Um, it does get it does get a fair amount of attention, um, but I think I think part of the I think part of the solution to potentially reducing bullshit in our in our communicative atmosphere is to start calling it 
and and actually referring to what it what it actually is um it's it's for whatever reason it's not treated in the same way that lies are treated i mean yeah, if you, you call someone a, yeah in the book it's great yeah if you call someone a liar um especially in the south anywhere i guess <laughs> maybe south of west virginia uh i mean those those can be fighting words you know calling yeah. <laughs> someone yeah. a liar yeah but um but people usually shake off bullshit like you know like it's a mild social offense and they assume it doesn't have any harm but that's 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 really where people can't be more wrong and a lot of negative consequences undesirable consequences of bullshitting for for learning memory opinions beliefs about what what is actually true and what what people believe to be true there's there's nothing more important than what you believe to be true for optimal decision making that's um, huge i i was fascinated with uh, I knew I was going to like your book when you start ripping on um, or criticizing, I don't know the correct term of Deepak Chopra. I was like, this is this is my guy because I have never fallen for him. I always thought he was a fraud and just a charlatan, basically. And you also talked about um, astrology being absolute nonsense. And I'm on board with you on that um, because it's just if you want to believe it, you'll believe it. And Fox News also kind of plays into this. And what really got me excited was your research into kind of, I would call it peer pressure. Um, you would probably have a different term for that, but the idea of when the when the group, behavioral contagion, copying behavior sort of is, uh, you talked about that in your book, sort of when people feel like they're part of something, they don't wanna get out of line. So what like, what have you found in terms of, for you to explain it a little bit better, of when, for instance, on Fox, they use terms like, we're a family. Hey, family. Hey, family. It's common. They, they use that throughout, like Fox and Friends. They use the same term on the five, the sense of we're all in this together. So what have you found about that in yeah. this type of work? Well, I have not done any direct work with with groups and, uh, and bullshitting kind of arena yet but we we have a sort of a ton of earlier social psychological research that really speaks to these types of issues um one of the, one of the earlier ideas in social psychology is that if, if you get a group of people like three or more people together and they're like-minded or they have similar goals um, and you get them to talk they tend to become more polarized in their attitudes. They tend to be, they now they've got other reasons that others have noted for believing what everyone else believes. And then, and they're whatever, whether they're for or against pro or anti on some issue, they'll be even more so after talking with like-minded individuals. Mm -hmm. um, you also um, see with, with small groups that have similar goals or they have, they have something to accomplish uh, where you'll see everyone seems to be thinking in the same way. And we call this groupthink. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, and, and it was first believed that you needed several conditions in play. You needed people um, who had um, some cohesion, you know, they're part of maybe some team. Um, they have uh, goals in mind. They have um, what, what they call gatekeepers, people who might, uh, you know, keep out other you know, outside kinds of points of views, or or they might uh, they might insult those those people, or they might um, disparage them in some way. They also would have um, sort of uh, people that might be related uh, in in the in the group. You know, they have some other types of of conditions that keep them kind of focused all on the same kind of all on the same page, and so. What was found, though, more recently is that, that all you need is a, a little bit of cohesion mm -hmm. to get to get symptoms of of groupthink. You don't you don't need all of the other factors or the pressure or the stress on the group. You don't you don't need all of these factors. You just need some people who are like minded and, and they have and they've identified with some sort of group. And usually we call this a, a loose association, people who are just kind of you know, maybe standing at a bus stop, you know, or, or maybe in a social category, you know, that, that have some similar, you know, demographic 
you know that 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 would be enough to to encourage liking uh and encourage um sort of perspective taking Mm-hmm. Um, and so you don't even need to know names of people. You just have to have sort of an, sort of an identifier. And then what happens though is is that people find even the threat of being rejected from the group. Mm-hmm. Okay, even the threat of or maybe being ostracized by a group is is enough to prevent them from sticking their neck out and going against the current. And we we also know that I mean if you give four or five people in a group. Um, similar information. Let's say you give them four or five different pieces of information, um, and and they all have the same information. But then you add one unique piece of information to each of those five individuals. Mm-hmm. Rarely, if ever, will they all talk about the one unique piece of information that they have. They'll all tend to talk about the four things that they all have that they all know the shared information. And this is a form of of group uh, process loss. And in, in which you have, um, you have, you might have across the four individuals, you might have an equal amount of positive and negative information about an issue or or about a person, um, or maybe some policy, or a law, or maybe somebody to vote for. You might have an equal amount of positive and negative information. But if all of the all of the shared information is positive, then that's what they'll tend to talk about. They won't bring up the negative information. Interesting. And, and vice versa, you know. So it's it's just very difficult. Uh, social norms are real, and yep. and they're and they're powerful, and it's very difficult to cut across the grain and make you, yourself stand out. And the only time that that actually it it seems looking at at the sort of the existing literature, the only time that people can stick their neck out and and have influence on the group is when they're consistent at it. <laughs> And you know, over over a long period of time, but most groups a lot of times won't won't let you stick around long enough. Uh, you know, if you're going to be the one dissenting voice, that's interesting. Always, or, or or the annoying person that's always asking more and more questions for clarity. So uh, I, another thing that you brought up was facts and logic, and I know this is true for my own work. And I've designed my project. I call it for the friends, family, coworkers, loved ones of people who are addicted to Fox. I don't think I'm going to pull anybody away from Fox, no matter how much I fact check, no matter how much I show them, like, you're being lied to, this is deceptive, this is manipulative media, they're just going to double, triple down, get more defensive, more angry. Um, But I at least am keeping people, more people from getting sucked in. And the other thing is I'm helping kind of friends and family understand their relatives a little bit better or their friends a little bit better. So they, they... Oh, this is what they're talking about. Oh, this part of the Hunter Biden nonsense or this part of mm-hmm. whatever. So w- what do you think? And you did discuss this a little bit in your book, but I know that that was very uh, much when you were talking about that in the book, I was like, yes, it's spot on that you can't you can't no matter how much evidence you show somebody, they're just going to triple down because, again, it's like a security blanket. They want to like hold on to what they have there. They can't let go of that reality because it's too scary. What do you think is the best way to, or do you have any advice on how to reach somebody like that? Who's in this, they're being bullshitted. You know, they're being bullshitted. You you want to help them, but you don't know how. What would you say about that? Yeah, Juliet, I would, I would say that uh, when you're speaking with them, you're maybe you're not making immediate direct influence. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, you're probably not going to pull any diehard, fans of Fox News away, but I would venture to guess that you're at least modeling for them a new way of thinking uh, and maybe a new way of asking questions or at least planting the seed of considering asking questions in a different way. Um, I mean, usually what what we want to do is is find a way to first clarify the a claim. What is mm-hmm. You know what is what exactly is being said. Um, usually, when you ask people who, if you can speak directly with the bullshitters, I mean, if you, <laughs> you you can, you, if you can get them to clarify their claims, a lot of times they will start to reduce the bullshit exposure for you, and so that's a really nice thing. Clarity is an excellent antidote to bullshit because 
people will usually start to clean it up and say, well, what I really mean is this, or they'll start to give you conditionals, specific instances in which it's true. Because when it first comes out, it sounds like a blanket statement, you know, mm -hmm. like um, defund the police, build the wall, uh, stop funding science, whatever we, we, you know, and it's just like uh, this, this blanket kind of solution or, 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 or statement of a problem. So you just, you just have to ask questions. Well, what do you really mean by that? Well, what would that look like? Um, you know, how would it work? Tell me the logistics. How would we know it's working? You know, th those types of basic questions just to, to show that you're interested and, and you'd like to understand what, what is, is they're saying. Um, and then if you can ask uh, another important question is, well, how do you know that's true? What is, what is, what are, what are, what's the, what are the reasons behind what it is that, that you're saying? How, how do you, how do you know? Um, not why do you know? If you ask why or, or, or why do you think that? Usually what you will get sort of a, sort of a philosophical value laden kind of explanation um, as opposed to pointing to verifiable, observable, genuine evidence um, something that actually supports the claim as lay people often confuse explanation for evidence mm -hmm. and ex explanation is not evident <laughs> you know so so just because you've got some reasons doesn't mean that that you're pointing to tangible you know verifiable uh, observable evidence for for a claim but if you ask how how do you know that wow. that tends that tends to elicit more uh, uh, what we call a more concrete level of construal where people will, will talk about uh, things they're more likely to talk about things like facts and evidence. Um, if it if you ask why they'll tend to it, it's what we call as a more abstract kind of construal level and you'll get the philosophical theoretical stuff that that's fascinating that, that, that might be full of explanation and no evidence. But the, but there's two other um, questions that you should ask if you have direct uh connection with with the potential bullshitter and that is um have you considered any other alternatives interesting are there any are there any other solutions or are there is there are there any other ways of looking at this that you know um but the the very best question to ask in line with that other alternatives question is how might the claim be wrong because even the even the how how do you know it's true question doesn't always work the way we intend for it to. Um, but if you ask people to consider any disconfirming evidence for their ideas, um, you'll you'll tend to get very different responses, and it might be very difficult for individuals because, quite frankly, people do not naturally consider any disconfirming evidence yeah. for their ideas. I mean, it's just it's it's very it's very natural to focus on confirming evidence, all of the things that that point in the direction of your belief. Well, I think it's why we have theory. such a problem right now with disinformation, misinformation and conspiracy theories is if you want to find your own echo chamber online or in, you know, just any media, you can find that echo chamber. You can stay in it and you can just hear the same voices confirming whatever you believe, even when it's yes. false. And yes. I find that a lot with people who promote uh, my Instagram account is very interesting because the comments are very interesting for me. Uh, whenever I post anything about Trump and I just did, and it was uh, his, he did a um, town hall that wasn't really a town hall because nobody in the audience asked a single question. <laughs> it was an interview with an audience. I, I loved making fun of that because I'm like, that is not a town hall to just have people cheer. They're supposed to ask questions. But anyway, <laughs> um, you know, they're yeah. supposed to be like, hey, Trump. But I've noticed in the comments on my Instagram, when I post something about Trump, when the diehard Trump fans mm -hmm. show up, which is occasionally, and they'll make these comments like the election was stolen. And then all these people pile on going, no, it wasn't. And they'll start using evidence or what they think is going to work and it never works the people just double triple quadruple down mm -hmm. and they're like he had 60 court cases he lost them all this is you know he lost this he lost that georgia you know, michigan they go through all the states arizona and they just it doesn't matter it's like they they cannot let go it feels like that secure again like that security blanket 
of this is what I believe. This is what I've been told. Everyone I agree with thinks this. When I turn on my, mm -hmm. you know, uh, OAN or Newsmax or Fox News, this is what they tell me. When I see, you know, Trump on Truth Social, this is what he tells me. So how dare you? They just will not see it. And I was just wondering if you, I don't know if you've done this type of research. It was a little bit in your book of like, what causes people, because um, you have a chapter basically like uh, when and why people bullshit or like why, what do you think causes people to be more likely to be sucked in? Like, how do you think emotion plays mm -hmm. with that quality of like, because Fox uses fear and paranoia, like fear, paranoia, mm -hmm. and you're the victim, you're the victim, you're the victim. And that causes people yep. to kind of, go, you know, hook into it more likely than like, because when you watch like MSNBC yeah. or CNN, it's a different message. They're not telling their viewers constantly every five minutes that they're a victim and that, you know, they're persecuted and everything's going to hell. But that's what Fox does. So I'm just mm -hmm. curious what you think of that. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot in there. Um, yeah, I, I know. Mean, I'm just like. Cer certainly. Yeah. But, but, but certainly, I mean, typically we've looked at the qualities of of the receivers of of bullshit and seeing like well what is it about the receivers and what under what conditions do people uh, appear to believe um bullshit and um and typically uh we find uh people will especially if if something plays to their emotions or something that plays to their values um that's about all you need you don't you don't need to even have good bullshit. I mean, you you you'd ask, uh, you know, about like what makes somebody a good bullshitter. That doesn't um, that's very hard to classify because people usually good bullshitters don't usually do the very things um, that would make them appear as though they are concerned with evidence. Mm -hmm. So if they actually that would be the best bullshitter is that is if they pulled off the actual appearance that they actually are concerned about the evidence. And this is evidence beyond the, beyond the one or two books in philosophy or history that they've read, that they go back dogmatically to um, it's, it's beyond that. It's like, did do the, are they really concerned about facts and evidence that that would be the best bullshitter. Right. But, mm -hmm. but that's, that's, that's extremely rare, <laughs> you know? Um, so, so it's more it's really more about individuals receiving bullshit that 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 uh, will help us better predict whether or not bullshit's going to have have any influence but it's certainly easier to believe something that one wants to be true hopes to be true wishes to be true than to go through the really hard work of um finding any genuine ideal evidence empirical evidence that might support uh, an idea or claim a belief. Mm -hmm. um, so that's really all you need because it's, you know, even talking about the effort that would be needed to sort of debunk or unpack some of these claims that people make um, in all areas of life, whether it be, you know, beliefs about, you know, nutrition, politics, law, what, whatever it's to really unpack that it would take, a lot of time could take weeks, months, years um, relative to the amount of time it takes to generate bullshit. I mean, we can generate some good bullshit right now, and it <laughs> might take people a lot of time to 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 unpack that. So if it aligns with someone's attitudes, uh, we found in, in our bullshit studies lab that that if the message aligns with one's attitudes, so it's a like it's coming from a like-minded appears to be coming from like-minded source, and um, it's it's difficult to be caught in bullshit. We call it the, mm. we call this our, our ease of passing bullshit hypothesis. Like if if you're going to be communicating with people that that you think have less knowledge than you do, um, or might also agree with you anyway, it's really easy to pass bullshit, right? Yeah. So the only time the only the only condition in which we found that people will appear to refrain from bullshitting is when they are not obligated to share their opinions like we've made it very clear that like you're under no obligation to share your opinion but um but you can write some thoughts if if you'd like uh, but under no obligation 
And we've also coupled that with um, your thoughts are going to be evaluated by an expert or oh. somebody who's an expert in this area. Right. So, for example, I'm not going to bullshit a mechanic, an auto mechanic, because mm -hmm. I don't know enough about cars. They're going to know that I'm bullshitting them. <laughs> right. So, so, um, so I, I'm, that's where I'm going to refrain from it. But in all other conditions, um, as long as um, it, whether people feel obligated or don't feel obligated, um, or they have uh, experts or non experts, the only time they seem to refrain from it is when they're not obligated. And there appears to be somebody who has more knowledge than you that might be evaluating what you say. So people use bullshit in all sorts of conditions. And if you understand when it's going to occur and you're also concerned about the potential consequences of it, then you can turn your bullshit detector up, you know, a few notches on, on the throttle. People will bullshit us to promote their status. Mm -hmm. So I'm responsible for this. I'm not responsible for that. You know, I'm, 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 I'm partly responsible for all the good things happening, but I take no responsibility for all the bad things. Um, they also use it to connect with others. Um, so we might um, talk about connections with, uh, you know, I've never been to Montana, but I've watched a river run through it. So I might connect with somebody on, on that. Yeah, one, but, yeah. I could, but, but that might be somebody that I want to connect with. Now, other people maybe in the workplace that I don't want to connect with, I talk just talk about the weather or I don't talk about mm -hmm. what I actually, actually did over the weekend. Cause I don't really want to connect with these individuals. So um, if people have a feel obligated to share their opinion at some point or another, people are going to look to you and ask you, well, what do you, what do you think? Um, the, the gloves are really off, but um, there's a real preference for ignoring um the truth and evidence, especially when it's painful, it's hard to get to, and it's time consuming. Yeah, that, uh, that's and, huge. Well, and, one thing and, that yeah. that Fox does all the time, this is a real, that where they look like they're using data, they look like they're using evidence, but they're leaving out context. I'll give you a couple examples. Uh, with COVID, they would say, oh, well, there's, you know, X amount of soldiers who won't get the vaccine. And it sounds like a big number. I, I can't yes. pull it out of my head, but it would be, I would do the math. I would get out my spreadsheet because you talk about spreadsheets quite a bit in your book too. Mm -hmm. And that cracked me up because I am the queen of spreadsheets. Okay. It's in the logo <laughs> for decoding Fox news. There's a spreadsheet in the logo. You, it's yeah. subtle, but it's in the logo. Um, but one of the things they would say is they'd say, let's, let's say 10,000 soldiers won't get the vaccine. Sounds alarming. until you realize how large the military is. And it's like not even 1%. Or here's another one I know off the top of my head, 1,400 uh, municipal workers in New York City won't get the vaccine. Oh, mm -hmm. my goodness. It's not even 1% because New York City is 8.4 million people. Yes. Yeah. Huge, huge uh, government. So that's one thing they do quite a bit. And if they say it with authority, mm -hmm. they just, you know, hey, look at this. This is really shocking. And they throw yeah. the number up yeah. there and it looks really scary. I found with I used to study um, extremists. And so I've watched a lot of right-wing um, mm -hmm. commentators. And the, only, the the scary thing is what I found is all it takes is a little bit of charisma, confidence. Mm -hmm. That's it. If You don't have to be smart. You don't have to be even good at talking. If you And, and what happens with the right-wing is if you're just angry the whole time, like uh, there's so many of them uh, on the right who just sit there and they just rant. Like Mark Levin is one who just yells a lot repeats himself a lot and it's just like i'm really angry i'm really do you know these communists these socialists and that's it he'll just keep yelling and people like follow him like you know like mm -hmm. ducks just oh what are you saying and that's the scary thing is like when it when it doesn't actually take much to be a good bullshit artist it really doesn't which is absolutely terrifying in many ways no it doesn't it doesn't i mean and you gave a lot of really good examples there i think um to add to sort of the basics though i think um in in sort of selling bs um if you can keep the message simple you know keep oh that's keep, huge that's keep huge. Sim simple conceptions um this is probably i think part of the reason why um i've sometimes referred to as like these fifth grade uh sort of tactics of of argumentation but can work really well um you know when Vivek uh, Ramaswamy had said that Nikki Haley doesn't 
no three provinces in Ukraine, yeah, yeah. you know, in the debate, um, that can be really effective for people because it's like, well, what are the real implications of that? Um, probably, I don't know. Uh, who knows what the implications really? But that, but nobody ever goes there because it's like well, they're waiting for, sort of waiting for an answer. Like, like, yeah, like you don't even know, <laughs> you don't, you don't even know what you're talking about. So if you make other people look like they don't know what they they're talking about, you don't really have to know what you're talking about either. Um, but mm -hmm. going long-winded people who are long-winded uh, can do very well with bullshit as well because rush limbaugh was another one rush limbaugh would yes. take something oh, yeah. you could say in two minutes he'd stretch it out for 20 oh, yes. minutes and yeah. he was saying nothing but he knew yeah. how to you know how to like that yeah we know from experiments in our lab that that if you signal to others that you're really not concerned about what the evidence suggests you know like if you say i don't care what the research shows i don't care what the data <laughs> you know gosh darn it this is the way it is and you signal to people that you don't really care about the evidence. What appears to occur is that uh, both strong and weak bullshit arguments um, can can perform equally well. Um, and people don't recognize the difference between weak and strong bullshit because they've already turned off um, their what we call cognitive elaboration. They've already turned off the 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 depth of thinking that they're willing to to put in because look look if if you're not interested in the evidence that might otherwise support your claims um why should i be and and i won't really exactly have to bring my a game to argue against you um because you're not even concerned you're not even concerned about the evidence so what what's interesting though is that that when people are they do signal they're interested in the evidence um then then they do recognize your audience will recognize strong versus weak arguments but if they've already signaled that uh i i really don't care this is the way things are um i don't care about the numbers then then people tend to engage what we call a peripheral route processing where they're only interested they're, the, the things that might shift their attitudes and their thinking would be peripheral they would be superficial mm -hmm. things like maybe how attractive the person is, maybe the number of arguments. So that's where I'm going with this long winded thing is that if you if you have nine garbage arguments and somebody else has three strong ones, but but they but the two individuals sound like bullshitters, then the, the nine arguments is going to win. So wow. um, if you can be long winded, you can also appear consistent, even though mm -hmm. even though you might have contradictions all over um your your theory and your your philosophy if you can appear consistent you can say well well i was talking only about in this particular situation you know so i add in conditionals to to easily disguise any tr contradictions um if, if you do all of these like the basic things of trying to make it difficult to sort of reach beyond what the basic you know clinical or not sorry clinical um critical thinking skills kinds of questions that one would ask in a, in a clever way to say like, look, no, I actually have looked at all of the evidence. It's, it's very, it can, it can be difficult um, to not be influenced by the information, but you had mentioned um, sort of the, the echo chamber types of effects. Um, and what we find in the lab is that you don't really even need an echo chamber. All you need is one exposure wow. to a claim. Even if it's even if uh, uh, Lisa Fazio at uh, Vanderbilt University has shown that this illusory truth effect, this kind of recognizing, oh, I've heard this claim before, and then confusing it for truth, this happens even when people know better, even when it's in an, in an area of their expertise. So if I tell you that um, that uh, Charles Dickens wrote of mice and men. Mm -hmm. um, along with a lot of other claims. And then later on in the day, I, I say, um, John, or no, uh, well, John Steinbeck wrote of mice and men, but mm -hmm. uh, Charles Dickens wrote of mice and men. You're more likely to believe it or rate it as slightly true because you're, you'll likely confuse the familiarity with truth. And mm -hmm. you only need one exposure. I used to think that, yeah, oh, you'd probably need like a 16 exposures to a claim that wasn't true and you'll start to believe it true. But that the evidence doesn't suggest that. It's only one prior exposure. 
Well, that's uh, one of the things that's interesting about covering disinformation, misinformation is we have to be careful not to, by even covering it, sometimes you're actually elevating it, you're yes. promoting it. And it's it's a delicate balance where you have to kind of call it out. You can't ignore it, but you also don't want to feed it. And and sometimes yes. if yes. people are not careful about how they cover fake, fake news, false stories, they actually make it worse. And it's like- yeah, uh, yeah. Ben Collins, I quote this all the time. He said, as soon as a, because he's in a similar beat. And as soon as a fake story is out there, it's all the people who do the kind of work that we do are just chasing mm -hmm. it. And it feels like yes. it's constant. Like it's, yes. it moves much faster. A lie moves much faster than the truth, unfortunately. Yes. I wanted to read this section from your book because I think it's so important, which is, it's like a bulleted list. <laughs> Which is uh, in your set, you're probably like, what are yeah, you doing? Yeah. This is from the Colombo mindset of expert bullshit oh, detectors, yeah, yeah, which yeah. I just adored this. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I loved the fact that you named them after the, there was a, if you don't know the reference, there was a, a TV show in the 1970s. The main character was named Colombo and he was like this, you know, he always mm -hmm. figured it out every time. But you have this great bulleted list of what is the Colombo critical thinking mindset look like in practice? And this is the list. That's right. So having a passionate drive mm. for clarity, precision, accuracy, relevance, consistency, logic, completeness, and fairness, mm -hmm. having sensitivity to the ways in which mm -hmm. critical thinking can be skewed by wishful thinking, being intellectually honest, acknowledging that they don't, what they don't know and recognizing their limitations, that's enormous, not pretending to know more mm. than they do and ignoring their limitations, listening to opposing points of view with an open mind mm. and welcoming criticisms of their beliefs and assumptions, basing beliefs on facts and evidence rather than on personal preference or self-interest, being aware of the biases and preconceptions that shape the way the world is perceived, thinking independently and not fearing disagreement with a group, getting to the heart of an issue or problem without being distracted by details, having the intellectual courage to face and assess ideas fairly, even when they challenge basic mm. beliefs loving truth and being curious about a wide range of issues and perceiving when encountering intellectual obstacles or difficulties. Wouldn't that be great if people actually, yeah. I, th I love that you wrote this well, all down. I think it's great. I just want to yeah. be like, Oh, please. Well, even if, yeah, even if, you, even if you do one of those, I yeah. think it would help just, for any one of those yeah. dozen or so because I think, um, you'd mentioned emotions earlier. I mean, um, and the fact that I mean, we are social animals, you know, and we do, we connect with others. We connection with others um, are important. Um, and we often look to others, especially when we feel uncertainty mm -hmm. or, or ambiguity and, and what's, you know, what's, what's, what's correct. And usually it works pretty well, but it's, um, it, it can be wrong. It's just to, people will just kind of look around and sort of take a poll and see what every, you know, see what their neighbors believe and their friends and their family believe. Um, and that, again, that usually works pretty well for people. Uh, but when there's, there's something else better out there, evidence, <laughs> you know, it's, 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 you know, just taking your, your social poll is probably not going to, not going to do it for you. I think there was a really nice, um, website that Daniel Dale had had uh, put together, I think the first couple of years of of Trump's presidency that that tracked all of the all of basically all of the claims that turned out to be either lies or bullshits or interesting misinformation, and it was a catalog of like thousands of instances, and it had links and it had all of the you know easily accessible references, so. Some of this is already being put together because otherwise it's like a full-time job. And I think that's why he ended up stopping it because it was just taking too much time. Oh, to I know keep all about, of all of I know all about trying uh, to keep track of lies. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So, <laughs> that's all so, I do all day. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, I mean, so, so you can, you can, um, you can pull the masses sometimes I think in, in more effective ways. There's also a really nice um uh, new search engine relatively new search engine that that i've been using um that gives you some basic stats on any report it's called seeker s-e-e-k-r uh, dot com and it's it's basically a you know it's it's basically another 
uh, Google kind of type of search engine. But but what it'll give you is some stats. It'll give you also a byline, and it will tell you like what is what is the political leaning, um, and it gives you some stats to help you kind of make a decision as to whether or not okay this is this is this is misinformation or fake news or 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 this is le- legitimate. So it keeps track of these things and it and it provides a score. And they also even tell you how how they derive the score, the, the is, seeker score for each how report. Do you, how do you spell that again? Is it S A E K R? It's it's S E E K R. Oh, yes. so like seeker, the word but yeah. without one of the yeah, E's. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, so I've written so it down. S- wrong. S E E K R, and it's uh, it's a wonderful search engine because great. to be honest, I Julia, I mean, I'm about as independent politically as you as they come, and so and I'm not I'm, I'm not a political expert in any way, uh, shape or form, um, so I rely on this thing quite a bit actually, you know. So I'll I'll see is there's something like, oh this seems to have a lot of spin on it, which people can detect spin mm-hmm. quite readily. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'll, I'll check the same article, you know, the same source and, and find out what the seeker score is for, for the, for the write-up or the, you know, the newspaper article online or whatever. Um, and it's, it's usually pretty informative. Um, sometimes, sometimes surprising and people will be surprised again. If, I mean, if you love the truth and you, and, and that, that's actually my favorite one on, on the, uh, Columbo list is love, yeah, loving truth and being curious about a wide range of issues. I mean, if that's real, if you really believe that you're going to be, you're probably going to be surprised quite often. Mm-hmm. I mean, we know that, I mean, as an experimental social psychologist, I can tell you from experience and just even in the field, um, we're often wrong, <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, that's what, and, and a lot of our findings turn out to be pretty counterintuitive and cut across what you would you know, intuitively expect to find in, in an experiment. So, um, and that's, that just kind of comes with the territory, but yeah, if, if you really want to know the truth and you're really interested, concerned with evidence, you'll probably, if you're not surprised, uh, at least once a day or, or, um, I think, um, book I was reading, I can't remember, you can't even remember the author's name that said, I'm continually surprised by, how stupid I was a week ago or you know, <laughs> but, you know, so, but, but that's, but that's a good thing because if you, if you are, if you're continuing to learn, then you're less wrong, you know? So if it, you're less wrong, if you find out that, that, um, that your, that your expectations, your predictions, your hypotheses uh, were incorrect after seeking, you know, after seeking out evidence that, that speaks to it. The book was great. I'm holding it in the, not that this will be video. This won't be video. It's all audio, but um, I f- flew through it. I really enjoyed it. I thought one thing I want to get out to uh, my listeners, and this will also be, I'll do a print version of this. I, that's how I always do all my stuff. I have a print version and a audio because my audience is sort of split, but I love the bulleted list. The fact that you break things down, you have great examples about people who are bullshit artists um, and whole like <laughs> intermittent fasting one cracked me up because i've been doing that for years um and you're like yeah just you just eat less and i'm like that makes sense yeah intermittent fasting yes intermittent it's not fasting. magic it's just that you you eat less because you're not you're not casually eating you yeah. can't snack yeah, on no, if yeah there's yeah there's no there's no fat burning mechanism that's being <laughs> that's 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 being turned on no yeah, matter it, how many people no matter to how many <laughs> nutritionists might tell you that that's true that's that is, there's no evidence for that at all i believe you uh, completely it's just because you're not because when you when you're doing when you do if you can't snack you have to be very like this is what i'm eating this is how much i'm eating and i'm stopping whereas when you're just casually eating you could just sit there and eat and not realize that you're putting like you know three thousand calories yeah, in your yeah mouth without realizing it because you're just like oh i'm just liking this this snack or whatever whereas <laughs> if you're not you're not allowed to do that so i i completely i read that i was laughing because i'm like yeah that's spot on that's totally why if if works quote unquote is because it just forces you to be specific about your food you can't be casual about it but yeah there's a lot in here it's great i highly recommend it i really enjoyed it and like i like i said as soon as i got to deepak chopra i was like yep i'm gonna like this book because you were like, this guy's a huckster. And I'm like, did you get, I just want to ask you very quickly before I end it. Did you get any backlash from anybody that you called out in the book? Did anybody 
Oh, absolutely. Oh, my goodness. Absolutely. Um, So (laughs) should have asked this earlier. Sorry. No, I'm glad you asked. Um, I got primarily a lot of backlash um, from uh, people who support various political. Of course. Yeah, that makes uh, sense. But but I tried really, really hard not to make this a political book at all. I didn't think Uh, it was. I didn't think it was when I read it. I mean, the the initial. Now, if if I hadn't used any Donald Trump examples of bullshit, I would have sounded like I'm living under a rock somewhere. (laughs) Um, But even the examples that I give of Trump have they're not political issues talking about talking about um, the number of in a crowd or the weather. uh, Those those are not political issues. Um, And firing or hiring some people, those are not political issues either. So. Um, and, and in fact, I, I think I was of, of all of the the political figures that I was most damning of was was Mao Zedong and mm-hmm. uh, dictator in China that I think it was uh, that I was most damning of. But all of the other political examples, I think, are uh, or that of political candidates or or, or presidential uh, uh, individuals that I, I gave examples of were not political issues. But that didn't stop quite a few people. <laughs> Uh, emailing wow. me and saying that you know you know how could i be so disrespectful and and I, um but and so i explained and usually that um uh, they write back they 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 seem to to understand but um yeah even even the fly on the cover that was has nothing to do with mike pence and <laughs> vice presidential debate that was um the the cover was done 6 months before that debate i just That's thought hilarious. That, that that the fly is the most well, that's what you think of with bullshit. Actual yeah, the, shit, you think of flies, right? Yeah, they're the quintessential bullshit detectors. You know, they're the they're the best. I mean, uh, that's hilarious. <laughs> so I just thought uh, to have that on the cover was great, and is to, to use that as a sort of a a uh, an index of 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 potential harm of bullshit as a, a one, two, or three flies. I thought was a, was a nice touch, but um, yeah, it's usually that that first chapter i think people write me about or they say they stopped reading because i was um uh, i was using you know political figures and and i again it's in no way do i intend for it to be a political book as you said like i took a look at at inter- from uh decisions that physicians make to yeah uh what, I didn't... what car used car sales people do to uh what nutritionists yes so-called nutritionists say about intermittent fasting i mean i didn't i didn't hold anything back and most most examples i don't don't believe are political but even or involve political uh people but even the ones that i did use i don't think they're political examples but that like i said that didn't stop people from seeing it that way wow No, I didn't see that at all. I, you know, I deal with politics all day long and I didn't, I didn't, I did not project that onto this at all. I mean, I just, because both parties can bullshit both parties. I mean, like when Gavin Newsom just had his debate with uh, DeSantis, even though I think he kicked DeSantis's butt in that there were times where he was bullshitting, you know, he was talking about stuff about California. I was like, well, that's, you know, come on, I could probably fact check you and you're not being completely honest, but Every politician does that, you know, it's sort of this this game they have to play where they, you know, they have to kind of pitch things and sell things. And, and um, I think Newsom's better at selling than DeSantis. DeSantis is like an awkward weirdo. Um, And here's one thing my sister picked up on linguistically. uh, And this was just an interesting use of bullshit. Uh, You could see one person was stronger. Uh, Newsom kept saying, it's a fact. Mm -hmm. No, that's a fact. And DeSantis kept going you're lying. You're a liar. Which yep. one's stronger? Yeah. That's a fact. Much stronger. Yes. Yes. And saying you're yes. a liar. You're a liar. That's, yeah, one's I aggressive, think, one's p- defensive, you know? Yeah. Trump had used a similar tactic, I think, in his debates with, with Hillary Clinton that uh, every time he would say wrong, wrong, you know, she like she would say something that he was like wrong, you know, and yeah. that, that, that resonates again. It's simple. It's a simple conception. It's easy to remember too and and it fits too like i mean especially if if somebody has uh sort of negative views and evaluations of of the other candidate it's really you know you really want to yeah. see your candidate really stick it to them you know and so uh if you could sort of 
you know, dumb it down, keep it simple and, and so easy that a fifth grader can understand it, then it's, then it can be very effective. John Petricelli and his book, The Life-Changing Science of Detecting Bullshit. Thank you so much. Um, if you would like to become a paid subscriber to Decoding Fox News, you can go to my Substack for Decoding Fox News or my Patreon for Decoding Fox News. There's also a dollar sign uh, next to my name on Twitter, also known as X. And I also have an Amazon wish list. There's not much left on it at this point, but if you want to check it out, it's basically what I spend all my money on, which is cat food and uh, snacks at this point. <laughs> Everything else I think has been snatched up by someone. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for listening. Odin and Thor, the podcast mascots and their love. Also want to add that the next podcast is going to be the best slash worst of the year. I'm very excited about this. I have a monster sized 11,000 row spreadsheet. Uh, where I've consolidated a bunch of the tiny categories like Biden ate the same meal as his wife. That's an actual entry. Actual entry. That was a scandal, of course. Um, so I'm going to be consolidating some of those to get a kind of a 30,000-foot view of how the year went. I already have the clips picked, some of them. Um, I'm excited. I didn't get to do this last year because I, I basically couldn't handle it, but I, I think I can handle it this year. So looking forward to that. And thank you so much for listening. <laughs>